Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord. Why don't we just lift our hands to heaven. Let's just thank God for what he's already done in this place. Lord, we love you tonight, God. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your grace that's found us here one more time, Lord. Just asking you, Lord, to touch us and anoint us together, God, as we warm our hearts and our lives around your word, around your purpose and your principle. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm, I'm thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Just thinking a while ago as we were desperately trying to get here, I felt like David. My heart was panting after the water brooks. And I just needed to be in the house of God. I'm thankful that when our heart pants after God, we're thirsty in a dry land. We've got some water to come to and we can drink freely of his spirit. Uh, tonight we are going to wrap up our discipleship project series uh, on seasons. Uh, we've talked about seasons of life in the last few services. We've talked about uh, seasons of new beginnings. We've talked about seasons of waiting talked about seasons of famine and tonight we're just going to culminate all this together and talk about seasons of blessings. So we're going to end on a high note, but maybe it won't be what you think because God is always taking us through seasons of life and I'm thankful. There's, there's something I was thinking about earlier today before we really get started is that no matter what season we really find ourselves in, whether it's famine or whether it's waiting or whether it's a season of blessing, there's always going to be pitfalls and there's always going to be distractions and there's always going to be things that come against us, no matter where you are and what you're doing. And so I'm thankful that we have the Word of God to warm ourselves around and so through every season we can successfully navigate ourselves through every one of them, and especially in blessings uh, with God as our guide. We're going to just take a, uh, our text tonight from 1 Kings 2 and 45 for just a starting point. If you found that, or can you find it, if you would just say amen, and we'll read the word of God together. It should be on the screen. 1 Kings 2 45, the Bible says, And King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. And so tonight we're just going to talk for a few moments about the season of blessing. The season of blessing. One more time, let's just pray. Let's ask God to just touch us together. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for your mercy, God, and we thank you for allowing us to be here. God, help us to focus our minds and our hearts upon every word that would proceed from your mouth tonight. I'm asking you, Lord, to anoint me, Lord, my, my mouth as a mouthpiece of God. 
and anoint every human being in this building, God, to not only hear but to receive the word, the infallible truth of your word in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. John D. Rockefeller was a, an American industrialist and philanthropist who rose in stature and success in the late 1890s and early 1900s. Mr. Rockefeller helped build up Standard Oil Company to become the wealthiest company in the world. This made him the wealthiest man in the world during his lifetime. And Standard Oil Company was eventually split up into several companies due to its unrivaled success. Four of those companies are still in existence today and are listed among the top 50 companies worldwide, Exxon, Mobil, Amoco, and Chevron. They're in the top 50 companies worldwide, and that was as of March 30th, 2017. Mr. Rockefeller is still considered one of the wealthiest people who have ever lived. Many people were critical, however, of his wealth, and they were even critical of some of his business practices. However, it should be noted that Mr. Rockefeller left a lasting legacy for American industry. His generosity towards others even rivaled his business acumen because he always tied to his local church and as his wealth increased, his philanthropy to major causes also expanded exponentially. His various foundations invested an estimated $550 million to advance the fields of religion, health, education, science, and the arts. He was once asked how much money is enough money and he replied just a little bit more it wasn't that he needed the money for himself it wasn't that he needed to add to his wealth it is said of him that he was strongly believing that his mission was to make as much money as possible and then use every resource he had to benefit humanity a multi-millionaire Today's dollars, a billionaire, used everything he had to benefit humanity. History, however, is replete with the testimony of men who have exploited their own talents and even other people to amass wealth for their own comfort and their own conceit. Occasionally, we read of men such as John D. Rockefeller who seem to march to the beat of a different drum. For men like him, it appears that money was not just used for his own well-being, but his money was used to fulfill a mission and to give toward a cause. Men like him embraced the favor and the finances that God blessed them with, and they accomplished progress for society and not just themselves. Hear me tonight. If there has ever, ever been an entity on the earth if there has ever been a people that have lived on the earth that had that principle in mind, it ought to be the children of God and it ought to be the church of the living God. In the kingdom of God, we must not relish the blessings that God gives us as just resources that are exclusively for our own benefit or even our own comfort. We must, hear me, we must discover the higher purpose of the seasons of blessings that God takes us into and realize that they are not just given for us, for our own benefit, and for our own well-being, 
because hear me, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but those blessings that God so freely gives us can become a curse and can take us out of the will of God and can take us into another realm that we never decided to go, taking us away from the true fulfillment that God has intended for us to, to enjoy as believers. Jesus said this in Luke 12 and 15. He said, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And so while some may count blessing as tangible items or tangible things, we as the church and we as children of God must understand that our lives are not measured by the things that we possess. Now, I think that, and this is my opinion, and you can lay this all on me, but I believe that much of the quote-unquote church world has gotten this all wrong. They have missed the mark in that saying that blessing from God results in a million dollars in the bank and a Rolls Royce in your driveway, 2.5 kids and three houses, one being uh, uh, just a, a vacation home that you, that you seldomly go to. That could be further from the truth. God's blessings are not boiled down into just things. They're not boiled down into just uh, a bank account. They're not boiled down to just just mere, mere things. But God's blessings go far, far beyond what we could ever imagine. However, it would not be difficult. It would not be a hard task for us to envy the man that Jesus was actually referring to in Luke 12. It would not be hard to envy him. Although he was speaking a parable, it's not a stretch. It's not far outside of the realm of reason that those men and women in the crowd knew of men, knew of people, maybe even families whose lives resembled the very character that Jesus described. If we were to read the entire account of the particular passages of Scripture, we would find that there were two brothers in the midst of a struggle who were attempting to divide an inheritance, but attempting to guard these men against covetousness, Jesus shared his perspective in the parable. He said that there was a certain man, a certain man who was celebrating an outstanding and perhaps even an unexpected harvest. But this man was concerned that he had no room to store up his harvest. He had no room to store up his excess and so his Solution was not to share or even invest in the blessing, but it was to store up or hoard years worth of food and favor. He would destroy his existing barns and build up bigger and better barns to hoard and to store away all of the feasting and the fun and live an easy life. But God said, but God said to him concerning this scheme, he said this in Luke 12 and 20, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Jesus clarifies the lesson and he brings light to the parable and to the situation in front of him so that it strongly resonated with the people in his midst and it strongly resonates with us here tonight. 
it should anyway resonate among Christians today. He went on to say in Luke 12 and 21, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The admonition, the statement, the sharp reprimand stands as a landmark for all of those who wish to experience the blessed life. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I want to experience the blessed life. I want to live under the downspout of God's blessing. But hear me tonight. That does not mean that I'm going to have money in the bank. <laughs> that does not even mean that I'm going to have clothes on my back. I believe that you can live in a cardboard box in an alley somewhere and you can be blessed of the Lord. I believe that. I'm convinced of that. So God freely, freely allows us to go into certain seasons of life. He allows us to go into seasons of waiting. He allows us to go into seasons of famine. And he will certainly allow us to go into seasons of blessing. In some instances, God even propels us into seasons of blessing. But hear me tonight, in every season, wherever we find ourselves, whether we're on the mountaintop or whether we're in the valley deep below, his word and his spirit must be our road map and it must be there to ensure that none of the blessings that God has given us eventually end up becoming a roadblock that will, will detour us off the path that God has already charted out for each and every one of us. Just as God loves us so much not to overwhelm us with hardships, to put us in such a position that we would falter, crack, and die, I believe that God loves us just as much not to overwhelm us with the blessings of life or what, what, what this world would call blessings that could actually become a curse if we fail to cling to his forever, forever unchanging hand. His guidance must be in our lives each and every day, no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what season. And so God is the source of every season, and God is certainly the source of every blessing. He delights to bless each one of his children according to his riches in glory. However, his plan, his purpose his mandate is always bigger than our own self-indulgence. You see, God designs his blessings to flow through us so his kingdom can advance and our world can be changed. That's what the church is here for. That's what we are on this earth for. That's what God has filled us with the Holy Ghost for, to change our world. So let's look at a couple of statements here. We've already mentioned this in an earlier passage of Scripture. But look at the statement. It's probably not going to be on the screen, but I want to be rich. I want to be rich toward God. I want to be rich. It just has kind of a final feeling to it. I want to be rich period it ends where the period ends 
But if I say I want to be rich toward God, how many know that God is absolutely without end? His, his riches and his glory never end. And so to say I want to be rich toward God means that I'm going to be rich toward God and God has no end. And so my riches will not end if I'm rich toward God. If I'm rich or if I become rich, <laughs> Jesus is the source of all of those riches. Psalm 24 and 1, the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and they that dwell therein. And so he freely supplies every need. He freely supplies every talent. He freely supplies every ability and every resource that have their beginning in his goodness and in his mercy toward all of us. And so if I desire the blessed life, if I want to be rich, toward God, then chances are I'm going to be rich toward God. I'm not talking about this crazy doctrine that's been out the past few years. I think Oprah Winfrey was a big proponent of it, just said if you just think of something, if you just think on it long enough, if you just desire something with all of your heart, then somehow or another it's just going to wind up on your doorstep with a big bow on it and you don't know where that came from. And so that can just be anything. You can just fill in the blank and you'll just have everything that you want. That's not what I'm talking about. The Bible says that if we desire something and we put our mind towards something, we can end up there. And so if I want to live for God, guess what? I'm going to live for God. If I want to do something for God, then guess what? I'm going to do something for God because if we put our mind to something, we're going to wind up at the intended purpose. And so in many cases, if I desire to live toward God and to be rich toward God, I will arrive at a season of blessing. But hear me, as I enjoy those blessings, I should resolve to glorify God as the ultimate benefactor of every single one of them. Proverbs 10 and 22, the Bible says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. And so God can make me rich, but his goal is to make me rich toward God. It shouldn't be difficult for a believer to accept that the reality of every blessing that we receive comes from God. The Bible says that every good gift comes from above. And so anything good that happens in my life, I have to know that it comes from God. But we should also embrace the concept that Jesus will bring us into those seasons of blessing so that our stewardship will match the blessing. And therein lies the key to everything, stewardship, rich toward God. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 and 17, he said it like this, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. And so there is the key. It's our stewardship 
with what God gives us. It's taking what God has blessed us with and it's laying up in store treasures beyond the blue. Not just here on this earth, but laying up treasures that will live for eternity. To say, I want to be rich on this earth, that's all well and good and you probably can get there. But when it's over, it's over. The finality of that is just that. When it's done, it's done. And when you take your final breath, it's all over with. You leave everything that you've accumulated at your feet and you leave it behind. But if I will lay up treasures in heaven and be rich toward God, God can take that and put it into eternity. You see, when the Lord leads us into these seasons of blessing, he will simultaneously guide us into our intended purpose, and that is to bless other people. You see, he will prompt us. He will lead us. He will guide us to be generous to those that we can help. And hear me, he will make us sensitive if we allow him to the, to the needs of those around us. As we share what we have, we're becoming rich toward God and we're storing up treasures in heaven. Let me just pause here and say this. I know that we're talking about monetary things, but don't let your mind just go to money. Don't let your mind just go to things. There's so many people that say, I just don't have anything to give. I can't give anything. I don't have abundance. I don't have this and I don't have that and I'm getting way far ahead of myself. But please, don't ever let anything stop you from doing what you can do right now for God. <laughs> As we give what we have, we are making ourselves rich in heaven and storing up treasure. Because Matthew 6 and 21, Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so we must in this hour, especially in this hour, if we have ever been sensitive to the spirit of God, we must allow ourselves to be sensitive to the spirit of God and yield to the directive of the Holy Ghost during every season, especially the seasons of blessing. We must understand this. If you don't hear anything else I say tonight, but hear me when I say this, we must understand that God's intended goal, his chief goal in blessing us and giving us what we need is not our comfort, it's our conversion. That's the, that's, the, that's the key to all of this. We're all being sanctified. We've been filled with the Holy Ghost, but we're walking a holy lifestyle toward God. We're placing everything we have in God, and he's leading us into a place of conversion. You see, he wants us to change our world, and the only way that we're going to be able to change our world is to change our focus and change our perspective into a kingdom-minded perspective. The longer we serve him, the longer we walk toward him, the more we give to the kingdom and the more we spend time on this earth, every breath we're taking tonight is taking us closer and closer to eternity. And so God here in this hour is constantly giving us an opportunity to be blessed and an opportunity to be a blessing and to invest in our quality of life 
in heaven. Throughout each season, throughout each season of blessing, we should remain focused on the opportunity of hearing him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And so I believe tonight that we need to make a lasting and long look into us as individuals and ask ourselves very, very important questions. How often do we spend time as believers meditating on the goal of being a blessing in the kingdom of God? How often do we as believers meditate on the goal of being rich toward God? And are we utilizing every blessing and every resource that we have been given to the ultimate goal of what God has intended for us to use it for? Hear me tonight. Blessings come in all shapes and all sizes. God determines the size of the season. God determines the length of the season and the amount of blessing. And he bases it on our capacity to use that to invest in the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. Everything we do, everything we've done here tonight from the very first note until the last amen will be about the kingdom. We are putting ourselves in the kingdom. We are advancing the kingdom right now as we speak, as we speak the everlasting word of God. The enemy's strongholds are being torn down in this community. He said his word would not return void. And so as we speak the word of faith and the word of God in this place, God is doing a work and we are working toward advancing his kingdom. One individual might receive what, what seems like just one blessing. But someone else might receive what amounts to two times of that. And a third might receive what amounts to five times what the first one receives. And so the amount of blessing, the size of the blessing, whatever the blessing is, is irrelevant. The fact of the matter is, every single one of us now, the next breath we take is a blessing. The next morning that we're able to put our feet on the floor and put clothes on our back and walk out of our home is a blessing. And so God is continually blessing his people so that we can be a blessing to the world around us. And so don't get caught up in what you have or what you don't have. Just let God take what you have and do something great with it. Because the size of the blessing is immaterial. I'm reminded of a woman, Jesus, in Luke 21, he just looked up and saw her. My, I don't think it was by chance. I, I know he knows the end from the beginning, but the Bible says he looked up and saw her cast in money into the treasury. And there were other men that were giving of their abundance. I, I just have to think that their abundance, their overflow was way more than what she gave. But God looked at them around there and said, this woman has given more than what they have given because she's given her all. So we can't wait until we get an overabundant supply of something to say, I'm going to do something for God.
What matters in this world and what matters right now is that we truly understand that what we have, whether it be talent or abilities, everybody has something to give. And so we've got to give it now and we've got to give it fast and we've got to do it with everything we have because there's a lost and dying world that we must reach. We must advance the cause of Christ because too much time is wasted Too much time is wasted comparing our blessings with the blessings of others. The Bible says that those that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. And so for me to look at Brother Brian and say, man, he's got way more money than I do, and that's probably true. He can do so much more and is for the kingdom. I can't do that. I can't do what pastor can do because pastor is so eloquent and he speaks so well and he can just get up and and just flow in the spirit and just really put it out there but I'm slow of speech and I, I can't talk. I can't do anything. But you waste more time comparing yourselves among someone else for what they have and what you don't have. You don't know what you can do for God until you just step out and do it. Hear me, one blessing does not fit all. (laughs) This is not a one size fits all. We all got the same t-shirt. We all got the same pair of tennis shoes on. That's not how it works. One size does not fit all. One type of blessing does not fit everyone. And one type of blessing does not even fit every season of life. God will bless us in every season. I am convinced in every season according to his purpose and his prompting. And his prompting must be in our heart in every season that we find ourselves in to use whatever we have, whether it be great or small, to advance the kingdom of God. Our failure, our failure, God can't fail. God gives according to every person. He gives every man the measure of faith. And so it's up to me what I'll do with that. So my failure, my, I'll put this on me, my failure to thrive in this endeavor will lead. It will not, not could be, not might be, but it will lead to an epic failure of eternal consequences. Instead, I've got to understand that God has given me everything that I need to be a blessing. And if we'll just put it in the hands of God, we will be utterly amazed when we make it on that golden shore, when he opens up those coffers and said, look, that little bit that you had, look at all this now. Look what I've done with all of this. Look at all the people that you, you have touched. We, we often have heard that, that God, it would be a, a sad thing that God could stand us next to the man or the woman that we could have been. But let me just take that one further. It would be a shame for God to show us in the end, look at all of you, what you could have done. All four Gospels give an account of God's desire to bless humanity in the feeding of the 5,000. 
All four Gospels give an account of Jesus' desire and compassion toward a multitude of people, of hungry people. It is a picture of God's desire and what he will do given the right circumstances and the right people that will do what he's calling them to do. God always desires to bless humanity with humanity. God always uses men. He always desires to use people to touch people. Yet a man by the name of Philip was called imagining what it could be like or what it would be like to be blessed enough to meet the present need of the people. Philip thought that he needed a season of blessing beyond his imagination. He thought he needed something tangible already in his hands to meet the need and, and, and to be a, a part of God's plan under those current circumstances. However, there was someone that was in the crowd that wasn't wondering. These men had gathered together and said, Lord, there's too many people here and they're hungry. Send them away and let them go into the towns and buy them. And God asked, what do you have? And they said, well, we don't have anything save two fish and five loaves. But what is that among so many people? We can't do anything with that. But God said, bring it, bring it to me. Bring it to my hands. Bring it to where I am. Many thought that what that young man had would not be enough to feed the 5,000 men, women, and children that were in front of them. And I'm here to tell you that it wasn't enough to feed the 5,000 that were standing in front of them. But God said, in my presence, sit down and hand it to me. And the Bible says that he blessed it and he broke it and it fed a multitude of people so much so that there were leftovers. So in the presence of God, if we'll just bring what we have to the feet and to the hands of the master, he can take it and it will be more than enough. More than enough. We should never hear me. And I'm going to talk to me for a minute so you can just listen. We should never allow our dreams of having more hinder our, our efforts now to be a blessing in the kingdom right where we are and right in who we are. I'm just going to be transparent for a moment. But I have sat and thought, God, I just, I just had more. heard people say if I just had extra money and if I just had I'd just give it to the church I just man I'd build that new sanctuary if I just had a million dollars we could just build that new sanctuary and be all over and done with but what about the five dollars that's in your pocket 
I'm just going to talk for a minute, that's all right, but some people say, if I just had more time to do, I, I could just do whatever I could for God. I could do so much more if I just had more time, but what about those few minutes that you have in the morning when you wake up before you leave your house? Can you get on your knees and can you pray to a God who can make a difference in this world? I don't have a lot. You don't need a lot. If you'll just take what you have and give it to God, God can make an exponential harvest out of it. Oh, yes, he can. I know that he can. I've watched him do it in my own life. I've watched things happen in my own life. I've talked to my wife and said, on paper, we shouldn't be able to pay the bills this week. I don't have that much more time at work. I can't do this. But God somehow just changes things around and opens doors so that we can fulfill the purpose of God that he's placed on us. God has already given you enough. He's already given you everything you need. And so give of what you have. Give of your existing blessings to meet needs now and God will open doors for you that you never knew could open to make, to make a, a difference in bigger things and greater things and in greater needs. author and historian by the name of Edward Everett Hale is quoted as once saying, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do the something that I can do. Solomon said it like this in Ecclesiastes 9 and 10, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. And so what am I saying tonight? I'm saying if we'll just take what we have, if we'll just put our hand to the plow and just move forward in God, I'm telling you right now that God will pave the way for us to do something great in the kingdom of God. Because the fact of the matter is this. We are running out of time. So utilize every season. Take advantage of every opportunity so that we can experience in this life what God is preparing for future occurrences. So that we can experience in this life what God intends to, for us to experience on the other side of glory. As we bless other people, God is then able to trust us with greater seasons of blessings. Take Nehemiah, for example. He's a man very popular in the Bible. He experienced a season of blessing that found him in a very prominent position within the palace. As cupbearer to the king, he could have served his own interest and ignored the real issues at hand. Jerusalem was in ruins. His kinsmen were in distress, but his passion for the cause and his passion for prayer 
and his unrivaled word, love for the word of God prevailed in his life. Nehemiah remained sensitive to the purpose of God and yielded his life to a spirit of intercession. His season of blessing positioned him to be a blessing to the work of God, risking his own personal favor with the king that he was cupbearer to. Nehemiah used every resource to assemble the people to rebuild the wall of the city and rebuild he did. Hear me tonight, God used his season of blessing to bring about a great victory for the people of God and for the kingdom of God. But hear me, God was not reacting to his blessing. God does not react to the things that we go through. God ordained and God orchestrated the season that he was in in order to fulfill his purpose. Psalm 37 and 23 says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And so God ordained the season that Nehemiah found himself in to ensure his plan would come to fruition because God always blesses those that he can trust with the blessing. Esther is another example of what God desires to do through seasons of blessing. Her position was also one of palace prominence. She could have anticipated or could not have anticipated a day when God's chosen people would have been marked for massacre. But God placed her well within that palace at a right time, at a, can I say it like this, at a perfect time to make a marked difference in her in her life and in the kingdom of God without the season of blessing Esther would have been powerless to impact her generation however with great intention the Lord ordered her steps I hope you're seeing the pattern here you're talking about a man that was placed in a certain position at a certain time to do a certain work you're talking about a lady that was placed in a certain position at a certain time to do a certain work by all right she should not have even been there by all right he should not have even been there but God orchestrated their steps so that they would be in right position and in right relationship with him to do something great for the kingdom. I'm here to tell you tonight, you're not where you are on accident. I'm not where I am on accident, but God has ordered our steps and he has called us to this season and into this season now to be a blessing for the kingdom of God. I'm reminded... I'm reminded, I'm, I'm meandering here for a moment, but I'm reminded of something a man said just a few weeks ago I heard preaching. He said when a team goes into a big game and they're laying out everything on the line, they need this win. They don't wait to the end and put their third string in. They don't put their water boy in to go have fun. 
they keep those first string men in there because it's important. We're in the final days and God thought it enough of me and thought it enough of you to call us now in this hour to be a blessing to this world and to serve our generation. Esther could have been intoxicated on God's favor in so much that she could have ignored her opportunity to be an intercessor for the people that were in distress. She could have gone out and done her own thing. She could have just gotten intoxicated on I'm safe, I'm here, I made it in, and I got nothing to worry about. I'm just gonna look after me, myself, and I. But no, 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 no. Esther didn't say that. She said, if I perish, I perish. If I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die trying and I'm gonna do something for God. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me, neither eat nor drink three days, night or day and I also and my maidens will fast likewise and so will I go in unto the king which is not according to the law and if I perish, I perish. She had favor with the king and she used her position to get favor with the king to save an entire nation of people. Hear me tonight. We have favor with the king. We can go in unto him and and lay our petitions out and say, God, save, save, God, heal, heal. God, pour out your spirit. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done and he will do it. I know this is supposed to be teaching. I'm sorry, but something has gotten a hold of me tonight as I read through all of this. God has placed us here now in this hour to do something great for him. We don't need to sit back on our laurels and say we got a nice building and we got some good musicians and we got some good preaching and we're just gonna do what we're gonna do until God comes. No, God has called us to be intercessors. God has called us to go to the throne of grace and petition him, petition him. Because of her, because of her willingness to do something for her people, and her season of blessing, God delivered them and the enemy was defeated. An unparalleled victory was won for the kingdom of God because of a right response. It was her right response to a season of blessing in her life that enabled her to bless the Lord and to bless his people for such a time as this. And so wherever we are, whatever we do, we need to do it to God. And we need to give everything we have. Whatever season we find ourselves, it will be our response in that season that very well may end up being where we end up in the next one. It will be our response to our seasons of blessing that may determine where we find ourselves next because God blesses those he can trust so we're closing if our musicians will come Bible believers 
throughout history understand the reality that Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. God provided him the opportunity to choose anything his heart desired, and he chose wisdom. God did, in fact, bless him with that wisdom along with great riches and great honor. His season of blessing encompassed great possessions and great wealth, pleasures that rival even the wealthiest and wisest men of that day and even ours. This is what he said of himself, Ecclesiastes 2, 9 through 10. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I, I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. This was my portion of all my labor. Solomon allowed the unthinkable in what we discussed in just a few opening statements tonight. Solomon allowed the blessings of God to become a curse to him. It was his response to the blessing that placed him in the conundrum that he found himself in. I won't read it again, but Ecclesiastes 9 through 10, chapter 2, says a lot of I, a lot of my, a lot of me, a lot of this guy. It was his response to what God had blessed him with and his wealth and his stature and his response to it gave way to idolatry. The Bible says of him in 1 Kings 11, 3 through 4, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. His wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Solomon's blessings caused him to become self-absorbed and quite honestly caused him to quest for his own personal carnality. He rejected the warnings of God and failed to use those blessings to secure and fulfill his covenant with God. And so I said it before, and I'll say it emphatically again. God desires to bless us and will. 
but it's what we do in those seasons that will determine our outcome. Now, for just another moment, don't think about money. God will bless you accordingly. But it's what we do with those seasons of blessing that will determine our outcome and everyone around us. allow the season of blessing to somehow come between us and our relationship with God the one who ultimately blessed us in the first place I couldn't help but think earlier today Bible says that Solomon's heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father perhaps it was the life of David the constant running the constant turmoil that he found himself in you can read it throughout the Psalms somehow kept him in a position to want God Solomon essentially had everything handed to him everything that he built the temple with David fought for that have men and women that are in that great cloud of witnesses that fought who struggled who wrestled and it kept them in a position to pant after God but we live a pretty easy life it is what it is. I understand that we all go through seasons of hardship. We all struggle in some ways or another. But as a people, we are extremely, extremely blessed. And so could that, and I'm wrapping up, I promise, could that be that easy going nothing too bad I can get myself through this I don't really need God I don't wonder what I'm going to eat tonight when I get home 
I don't wonder what I'm going to get in when I walk out that door and drive home. I don't have to walk anywhere. I see it all day long. I'm not proud of that, but I see it like a fat cat all day long. I don't have near the struggle that my grandmother had. And if we take that and we take it out of the physical and we place it in the spiritual, we don't have to fight for as much you don't have people on your job making fun of you when you get to work in the morning. What'd you do last night? Did you roll in the floor? Did you speak in tongues and then they mock you? That doesn't happen, but that happened to them. But they held fast. They lived this life and they gave everything they had. When they didn't have anything else to give, when their pockets were empty, they just gave. They just went. They just prayed. They just fasted. And they said, God, pour out your spirit on this world. So we are blessed. We are a blessed people. And it would behoove us to use that to spread this gospel. Not prosperity. Not saying if you'll just live for God, you'll drive the nicest car and live in the nicest house. But if you'll just give your life to God, there are treasures that wait for you. There are treasures forevermore. Let's stand together tonight. Let's lift our hands. This is not where I intended to be. But I believe God has spoken in this house. And I believe that it, it, garner, it should garner a response. I believe now we should pray and ask God to touch our hearts and our minds and rebaptize us with a purpose. God, rebaptize us now with a purpose. God, for your kingdom to give you glory and honor in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.